You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know what else struck me tonight watching this Bruins team is that they can win in so many different ways. They can they can win when they're not when they don't have their A game. And on some nights they can win if they don't even have their B game. And the same can be said for certain players on the roster. Like for example, tonight, and maybe the analytics will contradict this, but I thought that David Krejci, especially in the first half of the game, was not great. Uh, I just felt like he was bad in the faceoff circle. I thought he was kind of lackadaisical and a little half-assed with some passes and some turnovers and just kind of seemed like he was a bit lethargic out there. But as the game goes on, he obviously um, gets a nice goal, uh, a, a nice purposeful shot from Pasternak meant for Krejci to tip it, and that's exactly what he did. He And he outbattled his guy in front and was able to get a stick on it and give the Bruins the lead at the time. And what that told me was like, and look, I've watched Krejci for a lot of years, so it's not like I didn't know this already, but it was just, you know, reaffirmation that there are guys in this team too, like the, the Bruins just have game changers and difference makers, and they don't necessarily have to have their greatest game, but at any moment they can impact the game. And that was another example, and that's another reason why the Bruins are so successful. And like the goaltending is great. I mean, the goaltending is more than great. It's, it's very important to have that. And the, the structure the team plays with and the swagger is all great, but they just have they have game changers. Yeah, and like you saw with the top line too, where you know they, I thought whether it was Smith up there or Pasenak up there, like they had shifts where they had possession and they're creating some chances, but you know weren't converting into goals, weren't really converting into great grade A chances. But then all it takes is just you know. Okay, throw out the perfection line for an offensive zone faceoff in crunch time. Bergeron wins it, you know, get it towards the net and boom, you know, game winning goal. Like, same sort of idea, you know, like Jim Montgomery had a quote after the game in his Nesson interview where he said, like, typical Boston Bruins. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what this is becoming. Like, you just have guys who, who make a difference when it matters in the third period. And, you know, yeah, that the check line with Krejci tipping the pass shot and then the reunited perfection line off a of face off, like both do it in the third tonight. Yeah. Bergeron's goal. And then that, by the way, pasta was double shifted because he was just out there with the check line and then he stayed on to take the face off. And especially towards the end of the game, you see that you see Montgomery go to that because he knows like, okay, he, he still has gas in the tank. Let's just use it. Well, we'll especially in a close game, uh, the way it was and it worked out because uh, Bergeron ends up scoring that go ahead goal with like three minutes left. And then Pasenak 
gets a goal into the empty net, but um, still not a bad goal. Still shot it from all the way at center ice. So um, it, it was, it was uh, interesting to see the way that Montgomery kind of tinkered just like in the smallest ways throughout the game, because at one point in the first period, he did have Hall back on the second line, Pasta up on the perfection line and Smith back with Coyle and Frederick for a shift or two. Um, wasn't really that long, but the tinkering was still going on. There was yeah, a lot, lot, lots of lots of tinkering tonight. A lot of tinkering. <laughs> Montgomery was all over the place. He was having a field day. Like, I mean, Scott, what was the most surprising combo that you saw tonight? I mean, I, I mean, there was there was Frederick Greer and Copenin. There was, I mean, there was, I think there was, I think every combination yeah. that could have been there was. You, there was at least one shift with Felino on the top line. There was a, a full Marchand Bergeron Felino shift at one point. So it was Hall, Hall Bergeron and uh, Marchand. Yeah, he he, get, he he did a little bit of everything, and that that's a good thing too. Just it's sprinkling like, it in, just little, trying it out. Little ice, little ice cream bar. Well, I kind of got the impression, like when he, because he reunited the perfection line like pretty early in the first. It must couldn't have been like more than halfway through the first period, and. You're like, oh, that's kind of early for, you know, a 0-0 game in Montreal. But I kind of got the sense that like, he felt like no one had really, you know, it had been like a little bit of a quiet start and no one had really provided the spark on the ice. And I just thought like he, he was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do to provide the spark. Like, you know, no one's, there hasn't been a big hit. No one's dropped the gloves. No one's, you know, made a great offensive play all right, I'm going to do this and wake you guys up. And, and it, it seemed to work. Like, I thought they finished the first period stronger. It didn't result in a goal quite yet, but, um, but yeah, like I, I think he, he, it was like, all right, this isn't Morgan. Like we're not awake. So I'm just going to try to do something to, to get guys attention. You got to be three moves ahead, Scott. You can't be reactive. You got to be proactive. So he yeah. was, he was trying to think ahead. Moving the pieces around, tinkering, figuring it out. I want to. I, I want to get to a couple of things real quick. Um, I want to get to the the state of the Bruins Canadians rivalry, and maybe, obviously, it's kind of at a low point right now. There's not much going on, but um, it, maybe there's a there's an idea in my mind that maybe could spark that again going forward. But before that, um, what did you guys? Th- think of i think i know what your your idea might be but we can get to it okay before before i i think i think you know exactly what i'm thinking (laughs) (laughs) so um but before we get to that bridget's like what the hell are you guys talking about apparently you're telepathic and i'm just missing (laughs) something so i I am this is is proven i said last podcast i had a gut feeling it was gonna be mark mclaughlin it wasn't a gut feeling it was a telepathic feeling yeah, no, we I had to make sure he didn't just call up his cousin and, and like get the inside information and pretend he was just a psychic, one of those fake psychics. But no, he might be a real psychic. So we have we just have a psych- quick disclaimer for anyone who doesn't know, I'm actually related to Mark McLaughlin. Just have to clarify yeah, that every time. He, it's not really his cousin, but they're both from Belrica, so and they're both McLaughlin, so they communicate uh, telepathically. So we we have we have uh, we have psychic Scott. But we also have uh, transparent AJ, and I wanted to bring up the AJ Greer interview with Sophia in the intermission. I thought that was a nice interview, um, and Scott knows better than anybody because he did a one-on-one sit-down for the skate pod for like I think it was like seventeen to twenty minutes, and I think Scott only asked for like ten. Um, yeah. And I think 
I think you could, I think you he, could he, he would have gone for like an hour and a half, I think. So. <laughs> you could tell like Sophia has like her, she has her, her questions that she goes to. I think she pencils in like a 45 second interview every intermission, but <laughs> AJ just took the first question and ran with it. But I want to get <laughs> you guys' uh, opinions on, on, on some of the stuff that he talked about. He talked about, he was basically just talking about, he's a, he's a, he's a native of Quebec uh, I think the Montreal area and yeah. he, was, he was basically asked like what it meant for him to play in Montreal and at the Bell Center. And he talked about meant the world to him and that, you know, there was a time in his life where he emptied his bank account to buy tickets to go to a Habs game. But he also talked about just how grateful and cognizant this Bruins team is of just the reality of the world. Like a lot of, a lot of athletes, a lot of, you know, sports teams or leagues, whatever, they can kind of get caught up in, 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 um, in their own little world, but he talked about how like the Bruins take a lot of pride in everybody who works within the organization, but also um, for, for everybody outside of the organization, like fans and family and friends who, you know, make everything worthwhile and that they're not oblivious to the fan support on the world games and at home, always having a sold out building. And yes, he talked about all this in a intermission interview. So I just wanted, I thought it was a nice interview. Uh, he's a great, person to talk to and i wanted to get you guys' takes on that yeah that was good um you know you covered all the the key points there but it's we've gotten this vibe from the start like i think you definitely heard it like when i talked to him you know before the season of just how appreciative he is of this opportunity and you know of just getting a chance here and and of like what he's gone through to get here and um i think that's where like that appreciation for everyone else around him comes in is because there's there's been times where he's needed some help from people around him and needed support and you know hasn't been able to do it himself so you know maybe four years ago or whatever he might not have had that or or you know might not have fully appreciated opportunities that he got or had you know, wasn't able to take advantage of them. And you get the sense that like, he's just in such a better spot now of knowing, um, you know, how easily you can waste an opportunity if you don't really like hone in and, and do what you have to do to, to make the most of it. And I also feel like it's, you know, sort of related to this, like it, Obviously, he's playing more now because of injuries. But, you know, for a while, it's like he was rotating in and out as 12th, 13th forward. And I think he's really been like a perfect guy for that role because for him, just being on a team like this and sticking in the NHL is huge. And like he's so appreciative just of having that, that, you know, he's not going to be sulking around if he goes two weeks without playing or something. Um, which I think, you know, I asked Jim Montgomery last week when, when it became clear that like, or it was, I think it was Saturday, um, when it was clear that like, Brandon Carlo was going to play Sunday, even after getting banged up. And, you know, I asked, I asked him, I was like, obviously this means it's another chance where Zaboro might've been able to get into the lineup that he didn't, uh, you know, like how tough is this? And Montgomery said, like, it, there was a, time where like it was really tough for like a month or so um you know he like he could tell like it was tough on Zaboral not playing 
And he said he feels like his attitude's gotten better now as he's kind of come to embrace the fact that he's still a part of this team and like they are going to need him at some point. But like that's just like you know, Zaboro's a guy who's played at every level he's been at. Like he hasn't been in this role before. Um, so I think you know, Greer is kind of a good example of like what you want as someone who's spot in the lineup night to night isn't guaranteed. Um but who's like, obviously who's going to bring it when he does get in. Yeah. And just to like put a finishing thought on the Greer stuff, like he's been very reflective and open um, about like, it just, you just get the vibe that he's being very genuine. Um, and it's almost like we're seeing him like, as he realizes just like, I don't know if you guys have ever gone through this where you're like, Oh my God, I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, I've been hoping my whole life for this. And you're like, Oh wait, I got to take a step and just like look around and be like, Oh wait, I'm playing at the bell center. Like I am here. It's just another good story. Really. If you think about um, the work that he put in to turn things around for himself um, and where he's been able to, you know, get his life to, I think he got engaged in the off season and got a new puppy and like he's, he made the team and he's just, um, it's nice to see him get to just reflect and have like a moment. Cause I think he was just having a moment with his own thoughts, but the camera also happened to be in front of him <laughs> with Sophia. So uh, we get to hear a little bit of it. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. 